Hey, my friends, welcome to the Dose of Humanness podcast. In this episode, I got to interview a very good friend, Eldon Ryu Vala. And uh, I've been friends with Eldon for a few years. And um, you know, since pretty much the day we met, just rocketed into um, beautiful friendship. And um, we've learned a lot from each other and we've had experiences with each other where we got to learn, learn a lot in each other's presence. And uh, one thing that, not one thing, many things I really respect about him, um, but one thing in particular is he's always learning. Like, he's always looking at himself and um, kind of asking the questions, you know, like, how can I grow? How can I, um, you know, how can I be uh, my best self, right? Um, simply put. <laughs> and I really appreciate that about him. And he, he challenges me a lot. And I, I really appreciate that. And he's been on this path for a while. And um, even just in the time I know him, like his path hasn't been super clean. Like it's been a challenge and tough and I really respect how he, how he still chooses um, like what his heart is saying. Um, and I know it's not always easy to do. So it's, it's a very respectable trait. Uh, in this episode, we talk about a lot of things, um, but we talk about identity, um, trauma, intergenerational inter trauma, <laughs> and uh, like inheritance from our parents, and then also how we can create what we want in life and how we can change ourselves and grow. Um, I found it a very beautiful conversation. At the end of the conversation, you'll hear Eldon offer uh, his services to you for uh, a nice discount. So if you are interested in that, the link will be in the description. And as I say in the end, highly recommend, um, especially if you feel called, giving this a shot. If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating give us a little comment a review it'd be so helpful um uh we're just we're trying to spread you know the the good word of you know taking care of ourselves and being real and being true and and um this little act would help help a lot in reaching more people so without further ado this is eldon and we're hopping right into conversation <laughs> yeah I appreciate that and like there's something that you just said right it's like uh like looking at like different pieces of identity and like choosing like just looking at them right like examining them um like feeling into them like do they fit or do they not fit and I feel like maybe like thematically for like a the last I guess really like starting when Violet was born so you know my daughter Violet's five which is crazy. She rides a bike now, <laughs> pedal bike. Hell she yeah. went on like a, she did like a three plus mile bike ride the other day. I was running with her. It was like, so dope. Mm. So cool. 
but around the time that she was born, like I, I really started questioning um, different aspects of myself, like at a deeper level. Um, Do you think that's a natural part of becoming a father or was that your process? Maybe both. I feel like, I mean, it was definitely my process. I, I feel like I've heard similar things said by a lot of people. Um, I've got like my own like curiosity and opinions about about those processes that unfold and maybe like the resistance to the processes that unfold, like becoming a parent um, and like the effect of resisting them on both like child and parent. I get to like witness all kinds of things from that perspective at this point and about myself and others. Um, but I feel like to some degree, like I may have gone like overboard on the whole like questioning self thing, if that's possible, where like I was actually just talking with my partner Isla this morning about like, there's certain things that I have like questioned and even like tried on uh, that have hurt my ability to be myself. And like, I'm not mad at it. Like it's like, it feels like it's, it's all just part of the process for me and acknowledging that there are things that I have tried that I have maybe like looked and felt into a little bit too much uh, to the detriment of myself and those around me. So figuring out like, there's just like the balancing act, right? Do you feel though, like, like now, you know, though, like you went in and totally. you did the thing and then you might have a little backlash from yourself or whatever, but that sense of like, well, I don't, I don't have to do that anymore because I did it. Yeah. It, it's all, it's all definitely a learning experience. And one of the things that I'm actually trying to get away from that I realized I just fed into is this like binary thinking in general, where there's an idea of like right or wrong, should, shouldn't, etc. Mm -hmm. And like, like my process is my process. And mm -hmm. I can also acknowledge that there's aspects of that process that have created pain that I would prefer not to create again, um, or continue to create both in myself and, and in others. Uh, and so, yeah, like, it's all like, it's all perfect. And also like in that, like if, if everything's perfect, then also nothing is right. Like, which anyway, I don't want to get all conceptual. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, you know, I can and will. I know you can. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, people listening who don't fully know who you are. Um, and, you know, I, <laughs> the way that I think of you is like, you're a learner, you're an explorer, like, you really question and really consider like how you want to live, um, which is something that I think we jived on from the start and that we continue to jive on. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for people who don't know you, like, let's just start with like, were these always parts of yourself or was this something that you came upon? Yeah. Well, let me, I want to introduce myself in the way that I introduce myself these days. Uh, so that feels important to me. Um, so my name is Eldon Rayuvala. I live on unceded Ramaytush Ohlone land in what is currently known as Half Moon Bay, California. 
And I acknowledge that to acknowledge the ancestral stewards of the land that I live on who are no longer physically present in the community that I live in. And it feels important to acknowledge their presence in the land itself. Um, growing up, I didn't know anything about the people that inhabited the land uh, that I lived on. And it's actually the same, the same group um, of the Ohlone people, the Ramaytush, um, which Ramaytush speaks directly to like the dialect that was spoken by that particular group of the Ohlone uh, who were a major presence in the Bay Area of California, the San Francisco Bay Area of California. Um, and having, having presence that um, I've always been really curious um, and I feel like have always, have always been like a student, uh, have always been willing to share my experience, have always felt, I've always felt very strongly. Uh, and have always wanted to explore. And there's like different ways that that's transpired, like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually over the years. Uh, but that definitely feels pretty central to who I am, is that, is that curiosity. Uh, it's also something that I have kind of closeted in a lot of different ways over the years. And I feel like my journey over the last few years has been like, opening all of like these doors in myself that maybe I'd closed a long time ago uh, in order to be able to really let that curiosity come back out to, to guide me in a, in a deeper way, uh, which to use like terminology that feels pertinent to me right now is like, to me, like that's liberation is allowing the curiosity and all the doors inside of myself to, to open up, get some light, be willing to be reorganized, uh, repainted, whatever that means to, to anybody. Um, and that feels true to me right now. What um, you had mentioned that you felt like you had kind of closed those doors at one point mm -hmm. was like, was that conscious or, and, and how did that feel both like in the moment and then upon reflection sure. during that time? So definitely not conscious. Uh, I mean, as I say that, that's probably too absolutist. There are probably doors that I closed consciously. There were definitely a lot of doors that I did not close consciously that just became closed through experience. Um, I'm gonna bring a little bit of astrology into this because that's something that I've been like very fascinated with lately. Uh, and so I am a Pisces moon in the 12th house. Uh, and what that means to me in this moment is that my inner world is highly unconscious uh, and deeply connected to like the collective unconscious. Um, and so I need to be, I know now that I have to be really careful, like who I let into my, into my uh, like field of influence in terms of like listening, taking on ideas from, et cetera, because like I am actually like highly susceptible to external programming um, at like very deep levels. And so like what happens around me and what happened around me as a kid um, 
I brought into myself and like took on. And so like experiences with other boys uh, helped me to close some doors inside of myself in terms of like what it meant to be a boy. Uh, experiences with girls also like brought me to a place where I got to close some doors and like what's acceptable to be to be myself in that in that sphere of things right like uh like to bring it into a experience right like uh I've always been highly sexually like curious uh and as a young boy like we're talking like pre-kindergarten preschool age like had a couple of experiences where I got naked with girls and like we were playing with bodies and it was something that like parents found out about and like wasn't okay. Uh, and not saying that like that that should just be acceptable behavior at all. Uh, I don't know if it should or shouldn't, but what I do know is that that curiosity to inside of myself got kind of shut down uh, in a way in which like I felt guilty about doing the things that I had done and like started interacting with my environment from a place of like feeling guilty and like ashamed. And so there's like this kind of the way I think of it is like a kind of like a spiralic effect that's happening like inside of me where it's like kind of like a black hole where like it attracts shit, but like it doesn't let anything out. And so it's just affecting me internally in a way that like for sure translates into like a way that I'm interacting with the world, but it's not conscious. And so it's like one of these shadowy behaviors, if you will. Uh, so that's like an example. And I'm, I feel like I could like ramble on, but I'm going to pause for a sec. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So so I'll prompt you another part of the question that I had originally asked, which I'm very interested in is like, upon reflection, how do you feel about that? Like that shutting down or closing, closing off or whatever, it, however it feels good to call it. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I appreciate the guidance. I'm realizing like, I'm really like, <laughs> to be able to share this stuff, I have to be like really in my feelings. And if I'm really in my feelings, like it, like I'm, I start to become like out of awareness of like what's happening, like from that like structured <laughs> concept. So it's very helpful. I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> appreciate it. Keeping me on track. Uh, so on reflection, like, you know, I, I came into our conversation today saying that I was feeling kind of raw and like, there's like some sadness and like, that, that comes up with that. Like it's, it, it feels sad to me. Like there's this little boy, uh, little Matt Matt, as I, as I call him, as he was called, who is such like an innocent little being. And like the world showed him that his innocence wasn't, wasn't acceptable mm. in many different ways. And so like through that, like that little boy learned to turn his back on his own innocence. Mm. And like, that's just my own experience, but like, I see that everywhere, I, everywhere I go. Right. Like, it's like, I interact with men, women, children, like, um, non-binary folks, like it's everywhere, uh, yeah. where like, and I'm also inspired at the same time because I'm seeing people doing the kind of work real time. That's allowing that innocence to start to come back out. And like, you know, there's a difference to me between like innocence and, uh, naivete mm -hmm. right like i can be innocent and also still aware of the reality of suffering and trauma and danger in the world right like 
my child is, is innocent. My five-year-old child, like, she's very innocent and she can also read a room. Mm. Like, she knows when she does not want to interact with somebody. She mm. knows when she doesn't want to go into a space, like she knows it very clearly and will have a visceral response, which will probably make everyone in the space uncomfortable if she's forced into it. And like, I, I appreciate that. Um, mm. And I also feel like responsible to figure out like how to best uh, foster and cultivate a relationship for her that allows for that like that essential innocent nature to remain intact mm -hmm. uh, and not closeted. And so like, it also brings up responsibility for me and like that then like brings me into a state of like a feeling of determination to really like do the work inside of myself to, to uncloset that piece of myself, that like mm -hmm. essential innocent piece and to do the work to like shed any layers of belief systems that have been taken on by me that like uh, thwart my ability to do that, right? Like mm -hmm. those doors, like I am not, like I'm like ripping doors off the hinges right now and it's like, it can be painful and like, yeah, and like uncomfortable <laughs> and like doesn't look pretty, it's messy, it's confusing and fuck man, like it's worth it. And like, fuck, pull them off, get them off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's uh, a lot like diving into the medicine right now. It's like just a, a lot of times where it's, it's very, it gets getting very intense and it's taking me to these places. And I'm like, I'm I, I, in one way, I don't want to be there, but in the mm -hmm. other way, like I chose it and I'm here and I want this. So the choice in the moment is, okay, surrender, mm -hmm. take it off, <laughs> show mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like you said, man, it's when you're doing that work, it's like, it feels like the most important work, but it's like the hardest and like, <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah. Most, most challenging. And there's days when it flattens me. You know, like you're talking about like the medicine journeys, right? Like I'm like assuming that there are moments in these medicine journeys where like the plants are flattening you, mm -hmm. right? Where like can't, like can't move, like sometimes like can't even open eyes where like the feeling is so fucking overwhelming. Like it's like you're drowning mm -hmm. and like life stops. Like sometimes like you're not sure if you're going to continue living, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, cool. Like, I think I'm going to breathe still. Like, like I'm st no, actually, I don't think like I'm still breathing, but am I still alive? Like, I'm not sure right now. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. And like having to like surrender and trust to like, okay, like I'm something, something's happening next. Yeah. I don't have control over what it is. Yeah, it was actually, that was the exact, that was the question that I was like prompted in my head as you were talking was like, um, like, how do you know that it's all like, even in that, the, that hardest place, like, how do you know that it's all for the good or whatever, however you want to phrase it, like for the better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't. And to be perfectly honest, I think anybody that says that they do is full of shit. 
Mm. Um, because like, who am I to say what's, what's the best? What, who am I to say what's better? And who, who is anybody? Right? Like, and it actually like brings me like straight into this conversation I've been having around like binary thought and like binary, like binary, like thought in terms of reality. And like, when I put this like, so like black and white, right and wrong, yes and no. Um, and not saying that like none of that has a place, like it does. But if we're identifying with binary thought forms as like the guiding forces for how we are, like how we're being, then we're not taking into effect, like into account the like um, to use like I, one of Isla's words that I just love. Like now that she like came up with the word, but she uses it in a really potent way. Is like we're not embracing our multidimensionality, um, and like to bring into like I'm going to bring like the astrology wheel back in. And I don't know how familiar with you are with astrology, but like the way that an astrology wheel looks is there's like a large circle. And like in that circle, there are several sections and they're like over, like they're like concentric circles basically. And like, they all, they all move based on like the way that our earth is rotating and the way that the, the sun is positioned in the sky in relationship to that rotation and all these other like star constellations. Right. And like the same, the same ingredients can form like, what is probably an infinite number of like different scenarios based on these like revolving circles. Um, and to bring that like into a tangible sense, right? Like I can have one experience as a child, right? Like I can have an experience of um, another boy telling me that I'm fat. And that experience can have an impact on like my four-year-old self, right? And I can internalize that like in that I am fat and to that four-year-old self, maybe like you're only either fat or you're skinny, right? Binary thinking, because that's something that I've been introduced to. And then like at some point down the line, like, so I've internalized this belief, I'm fat, right? And then at some point I'm like, well, fuck that. Like, I don't wanna be fat. Like I'm gonna make a different choice. Like I'm gonna do something different. So like I start working out and like watching what I eat, counting calories, whatever. And then like, I get to a point where I'm like skinny and in that place of being like skinny, like I'm now like at a different point in that binary thought form, right? But then like I get further down the line, like talk like another 10 years and looking back at that same memory and looking at a picture of this four-year-old boy, I'm like, yo, like I can see that kid's abs. <laughs> like he is he is not fat. <laughs> like, and, and also, yeah, like he has like a round belly but that doesn't equate to fat, right? And then like, what, is, what does fat even mean, right? Like, can I get to a place where like, I'm not thinking of like fat or skinny as like a binary thing and like really like working with the multidimensionality of like the purpose of fat, the way that it manifests, the way that I see it and realizing that the way that I see it is the way that I'm going to feel it. Mm. Right. And when I say see it, like I'm talking like that's all up here, right? Like the thinking, the the perceptual lens, like the labels that I put on it. Um, And so from that one experience, I can like create like a whole world of identity around it that is like multidimensionality, is multidimensional. But I'm only looking at one piece anytime that I look at it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I can feel it, like when I'm touching my heart right now, like feel it in my heart space, like that heart space is not 
is not binary. Like if I'm actually tapped into my feeling, I'll realize that like almost never, and you know what, I'll actually say this absolutely for myself. I have never experienced one single emotion that can be named mm. by itself at any point in my reality. Like mm. I could name an emotion, but if I were to say that that's the only thing that I'm feeling right now, it would be a lie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Rant. <laughs> thanks for yeah, that this is this is the space that um i've personally found a lot of growth and change and healing in is like like oh it's not just one or the other it's not just this or that like there's there's this whole thing going on that i'm sensing and feeling and um or like even with my own identities that had at one point like kept me trapped being like well wait like that only existed because i said it it existed in that way you know like and then i was like well what if i just step outside of this and feel these things um that that was huge for me Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm yeah 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 Yeah, like one of the things that just came up as you said that there's like there's this idea um which i'm tempted to say is just a reality but i'll let it stand as an idea that the way that we language creates our reality like and from like a perceptual lens from like a, a thought lens like it's very very true right because like our thoughts manifest based on the way that we are interacting um through language and it brings to mind this conversation that I've been having around like the limitation of the English language specifically. And, and like, that's the only language that I speak with any type of fluency. Uh, And so it's the only one that I can really talk to, but like the English language is so like, well, and actually a friend of mine was just like informing me that the English language is a transactional language historically. Like that's how it came into play. Like, like English language and capitalism go like hand in hand and they evolved together. Uh, And so like in that there's like, there's a binary like component that's like built in, right? Like we need to have labels like this and that in order to be able to trade these things. Right. Um, And it's very like noun focused. And like, even like when we're talking about emotions, it's like, you put a word on an emotion, right? Like you label an emotion and now it's like become a noun, but like, is it ever actually like a thing? It makes it, makes it fixed. Exactly. It's like, you might feel that thing for three seconds. (laughs) Right. Right. If, if you can even name it one thing, but like, yeah. Right. And it creates this challenge of like, of languaging is like, how do I actually communicate uh, the feeling of what I'm experiencing in through like this language that like doesn't wasn't built around that right and like to, to bring in like a, a counter like kind of we're talking about language and like I don't want to make it singular like I was recently uh, recently read an article um, on a new pronoun that's being used right and, like there's all these pronouns now it's not just like he and she it's like there's like a they them a z like i I won't even try to like go through them because i don't know them all but this one was ki which i think is like just key Mm -hmm. and it was basically a homage to um indigenous cultures 
that thought of plants and rocks and mm. animals as relatives, right? Like the plants were like the plant people, the trees were the tree people, the rocks are the rock people, right? And they had like probably much more specific ways of talking about these things. But in this article, they were talking about the reality that these indigenous languages weren't like, they weren't noun-based, they were heavily mm. verb-based. And so it's like acknowledging that everything is happening in a process, right? Like what we see as being fixed is only fixed because of our lens and time, right? Like even the rock is moving. Mm. And like, mm. if you put it in the right environment and like wait long enough, you'll actually see it move. Mm. But we see it as a stationary fixed thing, right? Like having this conversation with my daughter about like the sun setting, I'm like, well, like is the sun setting? Because like, I see it, like it's going down on the horizon based on my viewpoint. But like in reality, like the sun, like this, not to say that the sun's not moving, I'm sure it is, but compared to me, like it's, like it's pretty stationary, <laughs> right? It's not the sun that's setting, the earth is rotating away from the sun, which is just like, a, like playing with that was again, like something that Isla introduced to me. Like, it's just like it's something to like shift this thinking, like, huh, it's a head fuck. Mm. And if I sit with it and like really like allow that to like um, shift my perceptual lens on movement as a whole, like there's some pretty substantial things that start to like shift. And mm. I won't even try to name them. Um, anyway. Yeah. What, uh, what comes up for me in the, the language conversation is a couple things uh, just that are interesting to me. And uh, I know you, you know this, but uh, in certain like cultures around the world, uh, both present and past, uh, they, they don't have a word for I. It's only like the collective we. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so here, that was something that I was introduced to again. And I, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, like think about how much that would change the way that you perceive your place in the world. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's always... Yeah, it's, it's basically taking separation away, which is really interesting. Do you know, is there a word that like, you know, like that you can articulate that like speaks to that we consciousness? In English or the- No, in a different language. I forgot the word, they had said it, okay. but it, it was in, in Quechua, which is the ancient language here. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't remember what it is. Okay, I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm curious it, now yeah it's a good word it was when he when he said it and then he said the meaning i was like oh <laughs> that's mm -hmm. i like that word mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um and then the other thing that came up that i i loved i recently read the bhagavad-gita and the guy who translated it he he does a lot of like conversation within it and one of the first things he says uh in the, in the introduction is basically like in Hindu culture, I think he might've even said like Indian culture, but I'll, I'll say Hindu. Uh, it is common knowledge that uh, your thoughts create your reality. Mm -hmm. And he had to preface the book with this and being like, it's, this, isn't no, this isn't very well known in like Western 
society, but in, in Eastern, it's like, this is, everybody knows this. And I found that so interesting. Like it wasn't even a part of the Gita. It was just this guy's like conversational translation and, and stating like common knowledge. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm going to like toss like a little conspiracy theory stuff in here, um, which as I say that it's not even true. It's not conspiracy theory. It's actually like factual is that like the folks who like really kickstarted like westernized um, culture if we can call it that, um, namely like a, like Christian culture as it's been inherited in like um, what one of my teachers refers to as a Western Asia. Um, most people would call that Europe. <laughs> um, was actually weaponized. Uh, and like in like a very like literal sense weaponized, like used as a methodology for control of the populace. And like, it brings to mind like this, like the importance of, cause we talked about like language. I talked, I talked about language, like kind of like uh, forming the structure of thoughts, right? And like the way that that happens is through stories, right? Like to use like the, the landmark forum, which I haven't attended, but have been like, keep on like hearing about um, phrases like humans are meaning making machines. And so like, we will like by default make meaning out of everything. And so what stories we like take in and internalize and like create meaning around, like govern the way that our thoughts manifest and the way that we're gonna interact with the world. And so like coming back to the thing that I said earlier of like, I have to, I, I personally know that I have to be really careful what I take in. Mm-hmm. And like maybe even like more, like I'm gonna take in whatever, like I'm gonna take things in all the time, whether I like choose to or not. Like I have to be really uh, um, aware of like where I am um, mentally, emotionally, really mentally, emotionally and physically does like play a part in it. Spiritually probably plays a part in it as well when I'm taking in information, right? Like how just like open am I, right? Like if I go get like blasted on like say MDMA and I'm just like blasted wide open and like someone starts like feeding me information that's like intended to fuck with me, like I'm gonna internalize it and it's gonna fuck with me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, what you said just like spawned, spawned this thing. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for being with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's, um, I mean, to be honest, like I'm only, I'm such a baby in this understanding and uh, but yeah it's I mean it's immensely like changed not changed my life but like changed my perception and uh, yeah just just a lot about how I how I walk through the world Um, Mm -hmm. and even the things that I say obviously like just being so so aware of of what I'm telling myself and then what I'm telling other people and putting into the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Um, I'm hoping it's okay. Uh, there's this conversation that I've been having in like inquiry uh, around like the idea of mastery and like using that word to describe like the thing um, or things 
but like I've really been trying to like hone it down to like what is like the one thing um, that I that I really want to become like the most skillful that I can possibly come become in. And it's like, what is like my like primary focus? And I'm curious, like, if that's something that you've thought about. And if so, like, if you, if you have something that pops up when thinking about that and considering it. That's really hard because, um, I get my primary focus is um, it's it's not even this what I'm thinking is not one thing but I'll say it anyways it's like learning as much about myself and like um, and like fostering myself in a way that creates basically more and more healing for myself and others um, would be would be the best way to say it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, what I was thinking before was like, when you say that, when you ask me that question, what comes up is in doing that, it's not just one thing. It's so many things. It's like movement does that. Meditation is helping me with that. Cooking is helping me with that. This conversation is helping me with that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's that, and that's what like in I I often am giving people feedback, um, having these conversations of like, what do you? What's your purpose? What do you want to do? And oftentimes it's not it's not just like, okay, I'm going to do this thing for the rest of my life. Like almost every time it comes to like, okay, you want to, you want to be at this point in space at some point, well, you're going to have to work on all of these things. And and so like, where do you want to start? Which thing do you want to start with first? Get practice that, get good at that. And then maybe move on to the other thing. Maybe it'll be natural. Maybe you'll have to pull yourself away and and choose to focus on something else but that's what comes up for me (laughs) i love that thank you for sharing that there is a so i i love like part of the conversation we've been having is like this multi-dimensionality of reality right like of like of our of ourselves of our being of our like the the life trajectory that we have moment to moment every day and like there's never just one thing happening like period (laughs) it just doesn't and also at the same time, like, it's always one thing. Like, and I mean that like literally, like it's, there's no separation between anything. Like from like a, at like an elementary level, right? Like, and so like when I listen to what you said, like I'm always looking for themes, right? Like I'm looking to like figure out, like I am not very good at making things like concise and small uh, and like, easily digestible like I'm hella wordy highly conceptual like I hide behind concepts all the time and I'm like becoming more aware of that and I'm trying to figure out like how do I get to a place where I can like actually witness um, and I use the word listening a lot to like describe witnessing like as like a as a holistic perspective um, 
and then be able to speak to the essence that I'm hearing, that I'm witnessing. Um, and so like when I think of that and like the way that you just framed like the multidimensionality of like, what am I focusing on? Um, it's like, there's all of these different things that are part of that, right? Um, and the question I have is like, what is, what is like the field that those things are happening on, right? Like, uh, I don't know if that makes sense. See I think I understand like the field being like, like they're all running in a similar direction. Is that what you mean or no? Uh, I think like yes and no, right? Cause like directionality again, like, so I'm gonna bring like a, a perspective in again from like indigenous cultures that I was like recently exposed to. It's like Western idea of time is like directional and like, it's like, it's laterally directional, right? Like we're going in, in a straight line, going in one direction, like that's time. Um, whereas like an indigenous perspective on time, as it's been shown to me is circular, mm-hmm. right? And like maybe even better said, like spherical, where like there was a, there's a quote, shoot. I'm not gonna get the guy's name right now. It's like, I'm blanking on it, um, which I'm working on that too, but it's like, a, there is no such thing as the past. Mm. Like, um, and that's not even the quote, so fuck it. <laughs> but that's what I got from it. It's like, the past is present, right? Like, it, it, it's all here right now. Like, there's this whole thing, right? Like, in like the Eastern philosophy of like, um, like, there is no time but the present, right? Like, if we really think about that, like, we really sit with that, there is no time but the present. Like it's all present mm-hmm. period. And like to bring that into like a tangible example, like we were having a conversation the other day on the phone um, mm-hmm. about like the reality of um, like intergenerational trauma as inheritance, right? And how like um, the mother's nervous system programs the child's nervous, this nervous system in utero. And so the experiences that the mother is having um, and carries in her nervous system is going to be passed down to the child, right? And so, like, there is a reality in populations of like marginalized communities. Um, I've been learning a lot about like uh, the Black community in America, and a little bit about it globally, a um, little bit about the Indigenous culture, and then most recently, like a lot about the uh, the Asian culture, Asian and Pacific Islander culture, and like how the experiences of the generations in those cultures is handed down in a very like tangible, physical sense Mm -hmm. to each generation, right? And so like the trauma that happened 500 years ago in the Philippines, um, when they were colonized by the Spanish uh, is present in the body of Filipinos who are alive today, mm-hmm. like literally in their tissues, mm-hmm. right? It's in their nervous systems. Like it's all, it's all there. It's not like, it's not like that happened in the past and it's just back there. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's right here, right now. <laughs> and it is impacting the way that they get to interact with themselves and their environment. And the same goes for me, right? Like, like I come from like a European descent. 
right? And like, I carry in my body the trauma of that, which isn't the trauma of being oppressed as much as it is the, the trauma of being an oppressed or, right? The guilt and the shame of dehumanizing other humans, like that's all in my body. And it's something that like I get to become aware of and start to like work with. Um, yeah, I'm like buzzing right now. There's a lot of energy in that for me. <laughs> it's such interesting stuff, dude. This is, um, yeah, yeah. We had, as you said, we had a conversation about this the other day. And this is something that really Brooke has been diving into. And I've been diving into it on a different level. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really, it's been really helpful for me because that this talk of this stuff has always been a little hard for me in terms of like, seemed like nobody could ever really explain it in a way that was tangible. It makes sense. Um, besides like, obviously like spiritually, but like that, even spiritually, it's like to my intellect, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. nice, like um, Dr. Gaber Mate, has been one who's brought it to light for me recently and that way in which she explains it of like no like it like what everything that's happening inside of the mother like emotionally is being um basically leached on by the kid and then not even not only in utero but then you know like throughout life it's like you're always just um looking to the parents for nervous system regulation mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. like if um yeah whatever they're experiencing you're getting so you just draw that back years and years and years mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and it's like you know like like i inherited my mother's programming mm -hmm. she inherited her mother's programming like etc infinitum and like and also all of that programming was influenced by the other people in their lives and all of the interactions they had so it's like it's compounding right and like like it's all like it all feels like kind of heavy and weighted like in a sense um yeah. which i just want to like give voice to right because like it's like it's kind of devastating <laughs> like and can really feel like pretty hopeless um mm -hmm. yeah and like and also at the same time, it's like, I feel like maybe for the first time, um, well, for sure in the first time in like my lifetime, like I'm experiencing people talking about this stuff. Mm. Um, and like that coming from like, I come from like my mom's a therapist, like deeply like into like, um, like subconscious programming, working with feelings, et cetera. Um, and also like there's places where like she was blocked because of like not being able to have the conversations um, that she wasn't able to have, right? And like no fault to her for that. Um, but now it's like, it's all coming to the forefront and like there's voices that are speaking about it like with a lot of hope, right? Like I got to learn about a lot of what I've gotten to share like in this today. Like I learned from um, a woman named Bridge Feltis it was like this like beautiful, strong black woman who was like leading folks that look like me with white skin through like um, a process of becoming aware of the racialization that we have. Um, and like through a lens of hope, like she's hopeful. And like, that's cool. 
it's really cool mm, yeah um, yeah i don't want to rant too much but i, I have another thing that i have that came up I'll, I'll create space for a sec the uh i was just talking about this with somebody who's in in our program and she was feeling into the weight of the world like how heavy it all is and and she, the reason she was feeling into it is because she's similar to what you experienced where she was getting she's getting out of it she's like oh i can be free like i can be curious and explorative and like it doesn't have to be this one fixed thing and then and then she's looking at other people and being like wait but like why are they so stuck like i want this sucks you know and um, we, we got to have this conversation and, and I, I imagine that both are important of feeling into the collective pain because it's, it's empathy. And empathy is like ultimately, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a positive guiding light, right? Like to be able to feel what other people are feeling. Um, and also like you can't hold i don't think you can hold on to that all the time it's not your job it's not your place like it's you have to you have to carry forward and if you can like this woman if you can have an effect then that's what you've got to do mm. you know mm -hmm. and and there is positivity in it there is positivity and saying yes yes all of this and let's move on like let's let's heal this let's let's talk about this and let's let's change the conversation um mm -hmm. i think both both exist and both both are equally as important um i my my advice would be if you're feeling too much into the collective pain pull yourself out mm. Mm. it's not it's just my thoughts and advice it's not yes or yeah no. yeah yeah no i hear you um i feel like just to just kind of speak on that like i feel like empathy is a really important tool to cultivate if you want to be connected mm -hmm. um you know when i say like connected like i mean like connected to like the reality of human um and probably like beyond that but like i think that's like the the most tangible thing is like if I can't empathize with some, with what someone's feeling, like if I find myself like blocking what they're feeling, um, blocking, like listening to their experience, then like I am creating no space for connection with them. Right. And there might be a time and a place where that's like, that's okay. Like for instance, like I like legitimately do not feel called to, to empathize with, um, white supremacist ideology. Like just to name, like, like I, I actually like, don't want to empathize with that right now like that's not where i'm at there have been times where i have been like in that empathy like oh i can understand your trauma and like feel that and, like right now like i'm just pissed about it right and so like my capacity to be empathetic with that experience is like very kind of like non-existent right now um and i'm like that will probably change um it might not i don't know and like it feels important for me to like give the permission to like have the experience that we're having. And like, if I'm getting overwhelmed by the experience of that I'm having from being empathetic, 
um, then that's like an indication that like I am not holding on to my internal like uh, yeah like I'm not in myself anymore and like I'm not holding the boundaries that I need to hold in order to be able to like be myself and like I want to speak like there's I have experienced personally um, like dissolving all of my boundaries to just hold space for everybody else and like at the end of the day like it served a purpose and at a certain point, like it was actually creating more conflict than it was, than it was creating like supportive support period. Mm -hmm. um, and not making either one like good or bad, right or wrong. Um, but like, there's the reality. Yeah. I really like that. I really like what you just said because it, it reflects my experience of like very similar, like losing my center and you can still show up so fully for other people and in, in that place, but you're not showing up for yourself when you lose, when you lose your center, like, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's what it brings up for me. Yeah. So there is one thing I wanted to just like put in here. I don't know how much time you've got. Um, but there's this thing we were like, we were talking about kind of like, like this ancestral like uh, trauma and like the lineage of like passing down through mother, et cetera. And there's this thing that I was introduced to a number of years ago. Um, it's, I think it's pretty like commonly talked about at this point, but it's like reparenting. Um, and like you had said, like, like we look to mom and dad for like our nervous system regulation. Right. And like true, very true. And like, sometimes that's actually like not a good thing, right? Like I use that word good, but like sometimes like mom and dad aren't necessarily healthy examples um, of what it looks like to like regulate a nervous system in a way that's constructive to like to life and to connection. Um, and sometimes mom and dad have shown us examples that we internalize that like fuck with our ability to, to find center, like in a very literal sense. And so like, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is like identifying the experiences and the internalized stories about mom and dad that I'm running mm. and to learn how to reparent myself through the lens of mom and the lens of dad, like in real time. Um, and like, that's one of the things like being a, like a parent, like, like I have a daughter, like, I have become like so abundantly aware of my own like uh, faults, if you will, um, in terms of like the ability to regulate with certain types of emotions. Um, and it's that process for myself and then like being able to offer it to others that like, I think I'm like the most passionate about right now. Um, being able to share with others strategies like reflection and then strategy for like, I use the word strategy. Um, I don't even know if that's the right word. <laughs> I just, just saw a being and I wanted to wave. <laughs> I know, I saw, I saw you yeah, see I, that. I wanted to wave when <laughs> she snuck back out. Um, and like I, the word, like the, the phrase emergent strategy is something that I've been working with lately. And like, it's a, a word that I was introduced to by Isla through the work of a woman named Adrienne Marie Brown. She has a book called Emergent Strategy. Um, and one of the big things, I think I shared this with you the other day is like uh, less prep, more presence. And 
so like when I said strategy is like, there's like this way to do this thing. But like in reality, it's like, no, like there's just like, there's mom and dad inside of you, inside of me. And like, there's the experience that you're having of them. And like the only strategy is that like, you need to relate, like we get to relate to them. And we are relating to them real time, all the time because they programmed our nervous system and are in our nervous system. And so can we let the way that they're showing up inform how we interact with them? Like that's really like the strategy. What, uh, what comes to mind for me is, well, it was in my mind and now it's not so much. So, so, Telling. so, Telling. so it comes back. Um, is that here it is uh we we do hold on to all of that and we also hold on to how we um responded and what we learned from mm -hmm. from our experiences and environments mm -hmm. um and we can have forgiveness and love and compassion mm -hmm. for those parts of ourselves. And I don't know if you ever get rid of them. I don't know, but like, uh, maybe you don't want to, but like when they show up, just allowing them like, oh, I see you, you know, mm -hmm. like, thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's what mm -hmm. Gavramate said is like, he was like all of your like perceived darkness protected you at one time. Mm -hmm. So he was saying like, when it comes up, say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for protecting me. And then mm -hmm. at the same time, choose, choose differently, you mm -hmm. know, like choose, choose a different path or a different reaction or sit with the emotion and let it pass, whatever it may be. But those things are a part of us and we can form now and then what goes into the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's like, uh, so like we have the capacity to rewire our nervous system. Like it's called neuroplasticity. It's something that is like heavily studied at this point. And like, um, when we're talking about like reparenting, it's like, so like, uh, I'm going to use an example for like, for me personally, right? So like my dad had um, violent anger outbursts when I was a kid. Um, I internalized, um, two things. One, um, where violent anger is happening, I need to hide, um, cause I'm a little boy and I'm terrified. And then two is like, when I get angry, it's going to become violent. Right. And like, neither one of those is wrong, right? Like neither one of them is good or bad. Like there is a place to run and hide in in the presence of violent anger, right? Like it's a survival mechanism. Um, there is a time and a place to let anger become violent. Like someone tries to hurt my kid, like you watch my anger get violent and it will be 100%, I will not feel bad about that at all. Um, and I, I feel like that is 100% an appropriate time and place, right? Um, and also like, I don't wanna have those be my only two options when I'm dealing with anger. And so what do I do about that, right? And so this is where like the reparenting for me is like, like I'm gonna go back to that memory, 
I'm going to get into it. I'm going to like, hopefully I've got someone who can guide me there in like, um, like that theta wave state, or maybe even like a deeper brainwave state in which like I have like a high degree of like, uh, um, act ability to reprogram my brain wave, my brain, like my neuroplasticity is like, I'm activating that sense. Um, so theta wave is one of the waves that does that. And then I'm going to like interact with the energy of anger and dad in a new way from like a felt experience. And it's like one of the things that I'll do like with people that I work with is like bring them back into like these memories will surface, right? And the work that we're doing. And it's like an opportunity to like, maybe there was something that like I really felt like I needed to communicate to my dad that I didn't do because I was terrified and hi hiding in my room. Right. Um, but like that little, that aspect of me still has that thing that never was said. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those like black holes where like, it's pulling energy into it. It's like filtering my experience of my life based on it. And like one of the ways that we can work with it is just give it a voice. Mm -hmm. right? It's like this darkness inside of me, like, and I actually, like, as you said that, like this, uh, there's a scene in the movie, Malcolm X. Um, this is like the, the dramatization um, in which he's in prison and he looks at the definition of white and the definition of black. And like in the English language, like white is pure, it's good, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And black is basically like depicted as like the opposite of that. And you can think that into like light and dark, like all of these things. Like we have these internalized belief systems that we've been handed through our language that influence the way that we re relate to these things, right? Like shadow is like bad, it's uncomfortable is bad. I don't wanna be uncomfortable. I don't wanna deal with the side of myself that's violent and angry. I don't wanna deal with the self that's like super sad and depressed, but like it's still here. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do I reparent myself in a way that allows me to reframe the way that I'm engaging with those energies in real time right now? By like, cause the parent is the one that models how to do things. The parent is the one that gives permission or takes permission away. And so how do I give myself permission to be where I am and to have it be okay and to be safe there? Because like, you know, coming back to the plant medicine, right? It's like, I'm floored. Like I'm like out on the floor, but you know what? Like I'm actually safe. And it feels overwhelming and completely, but like if the space is held well, right, then like I'm safe. Right? I can feel like I'm dying and get to have that experience of feeling like I'm dying and maybe even going through like a, like a tangible death experience, right? But I'm still here. I'm still safe. I'm still held. And like, you know, I think like you could actually go and like, you know, what do they call like ayahuasca, right? Like, is it, it's, is it mother or grandmother? I haven't actually, like, I don't have. Yeah, yeah. both grandmother. Both. So like, there you go, right? Like there's like the reparenting by the vine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's really just you. Like, it's really, I mean, obviously with the help of <laughs> a psychoactive plant, but it's really you who's doing that, re that parenting. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that this is the the coolest thing that I've come to understand about. I mean, really, like any change you want to make is like it's it's this idea of reparenting. Um, obviously, I've never worked with it in the sense that you are talking about, but I I do feel 
um, like I do similar things. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's like whatever you want to do, whatever you want to change or grow into or heal or like you have that within Mm -hmm. it's very very powerful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is and like like you said like like i have a particular way that i go about doing this based off of like the particular training that i've had over the last like 12 plus years now um but that's just one way like there's so many different ways to be able to go into this reparenting thing. Um, and there's so many different ways that it's talked about and communicated, right? Like I'm calling it reparenting. Someone else might call it something completely different. Um, I think generally it's like we're, we, we learned so deeply that we need someone else to tell us everything like that, the truth to tell us that we're okay, to tell us we're not okay and like like you were just saying like whatever technique it is like it if it brings the power back to you that's big mm-hmm. like that's when we can really work with things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why i'm very resistant to when the power isn't brought back to to me and like a in in a setting like this when it's more like i'm doing this to you mm-hmm. not saying that those are wrong or bad but i'm i i have a little of skepticism with that stuff because mm-hmm. i've seen how much power i have within yeah and like just to just to add on with that it's like there i've met people that can do things to me and can do things to you um and like with with high amount of impact um and also like that's not my like that's not mine um in the sense that like i don't i don't do that i don't uh, at least not intentionally i don't have like that's not my superpower um, yeah it really is like, a superpower i think oh no People it totally is that like and like yeah. i mean you're you're down in that world right now right like there's folks like probably living within like a stone's throw from you that like <laughs> can like do some pretty potent stuff, right? Um, I live with someone who can do some pretty potent stuff. And even like, even then, like, like actually like it's, it's you doing the work, but like, I'm just gonna like push the buttons mm-hmm. um, and you're showing me how to push the buttons. And like, for me, like what's true, what feels true in this moment. And like, I'm gonna bring it back to the language thing one more time. Um, I'm not gonna say it's the last time, but I'm gonna do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, you did that. You said this thing of like, we've been told, right? Like we believe that we need to be told. And like, that's kind of coming back to like this, like Westernized thinking of like, like we need to be told what to do, how to think, how to be. And like, we're like receiving this information from a place of telling. And then we pass that on to our children. Like we tell them how to be. Um, and like, what if we turned around and listened? Mm-hmm. And instead of like, telling what to do how to be we listened to what's there and asked the question like what does this need right now um like how can i create connection and safety here right now and so like in the work that i do like i i don't tell much i ask a lot of fucking questions yeah i ask a lot of questions (laughs) and like when i'm at my best like those questions allow someone else to take off layers that don't serve them anymore 
Um, and like, I'd like to think that I'm good at it. And also like, sometimes I don't feel good at it, but regardless, like yeah. it has, it's impacted me in some really like tangible and profound ways. Powerful, powerful. Yeah. Well, we could go for another two hours, but let's, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. uh, bring this to a close. Um, I, I definitely would like to have you on again because <laughs> because this um, yeah. so so let's just let's just end it there man thank you so much like unless there's something more you want to say please, please feel free yeah well i'm gonna get if i if i may just like a little like shameless yeah. plug for myself um, yes yes yeah so the the practice that i am currently engaged in um, is actually called theta healing um and it's not my name like it's something i was certified in about 12 years ago um and I would like to extend an offer to anyone who listens here um, for 50% off of a three pack of sessions. Um, and I'll make sure that you have the link to be able to, to offer that. Um, and I won't go into the details anymore of like what that means, but people can find that in the link. Uh, beta healing is, um you did that with us at MST a little bit, the meditation. I did so a little like bit a, of it. A drop in the bucket. That is like a, that's an introduction to the theta state. Okay. Um, where the theta state is, is like a brainwave state that um, I utilize uh, through a system to be able to like get into like that activation of neuroplasticity, if you will, um, to make cool. it easier to begin like, reprogramming things and like with that it's like it's not hypnosis um in a traditional sense i'm not telling people what to do how to be um but rather i'm like offering a space in which it's safe to respond in the way that is appropriate to the individual and then to like consciously choose new belief systems that relate to the way that we're interacting with the world um mm. and you know again like i know <laughs> it's, it's time to wrap um, and also you got to put those plugs out because I'm starting to, yes. I'm, I'm ramping my practice up right now. And, uh, I've been like in a long stage of dormancy as I've been doing a lot of like internal work. And now that's time mm -hmm. for that internal work to, to get shared. Um, yeah. So do you recommend that they just find you through this link or do you want to plug another way to contact you? Um, the link will have all the contact info. Cool. Um, so I'll, I'll send you a link with my like offerings page um, and people can find out more about like what theta healing is and like a deeper sense, um, what to expect, et cetera. And then the booking link there. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And um, just my own little extra plug for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've had the privilege of being led by Eldon before and uh he like holds incredible space and um the the work is very cool it's very interesting at least the the little tiny tiny bit that i've, I've gotten to do and um just generally like i trust this person with my life like with everything so um if you needed any more words those are them <laughs> contact this dude <laughs> thank, thank you brother those land in my heart i really appreciate you yeah much love um thank you so much for joining i appreciate 
appreciate it a lot, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. I look forward to, to the next one. <laughs> you you want to start now? <laughs> no, I got to transition to want want yes but not going to right now <laughs> let that one sit for a little bit um cool and yeah please give brooke a hug for me yes yeah, same to Isla. yeah we'll do cool all right brother. take care brother you too